Good evening. You may have noticed that we're back to wearing green vestments, something we haven't seen on a Sunday since last February. It's a reminder that we've re-entered ordinary time of our liturgical year. Ordinary in the sense that the Sundays are simply numbered, today being the 12th. But in many Christian denominations, the Sundays are numbered as they relate to Pentecost. So today is the third Sunday after Pentecost. Personally, I kind of like that nomenclature, which we actually used before Vatican II, because it's a weekly reminder of our baptism and our mission, that as disciples of Christ, we are sent out to spread the good news. So how will the next 21 weeks of Mark time help us understand what discipleship needs to look like in this year, which is frankly different than any other year we've lived in? Well, we'll spend these weeks walking through the gospel written to us by Matthew, who's a convert writing to a community of Jewish Christians, thus a writer who feels the wounds of being rejected by the Jews. So we will hear passages where Jesus in conflict with the scribes and the Pharisees as he breaks away from certain Jewish beliefs, giving new meaning and weight to many of the Judaic laws. And at the end of the gospel, Matthew will summarize our mission that as disciples of Christ, we are called to feed the hungry, care for the sick, and to welcome the stranger. Thus, as we re-enter this liturgical season of ordinary time, or post-Pentecost season, It's no surprise that today's gospel finds us right in the middle of Matthew's 10th chapter, which is often called the Discourse on the Mission. See, it's focused on the selection and job descriptions of the disciples of that time. We'll hear more of it next week, but allow me to go back a few lines to give a greater context as to what the disciples were being asked to do. They were to find those who are lost, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and drive out demons. They were not to take any payment. Matter of fact, they were told not to take extra clothes or shoes or even a walking stick. For housing, they were to find a home of a worthy person and to stay there. They were warned that they will be disliked and will be handed over to authorities, and they will be hated because they're teachings of Jesus. And as they go forth preaching the gospel, they will experience persecution and rejection by their own people. I don't know, that job description doesn't have a lot of appeal to me. But then again, we shouldn't be too surprised. I mean, after all, today's gospel reinforces what we already know 2,000 years later. Being a disciple is not easy. Living a life rooted in Christ is not that easy. Standing up for those living on the margins and who are persecuted, it's not easy. Speaking up for those who are trying to breathe in our society, regardless of race, creed, color, or sexual orientation, it's not easy. And calming those who are currently living in fear, it's not easy at all. See, discipleship requires courage. In a recent interview, African-American Fordham Jesuit Brian Massengale said this, Thomas Aquinas taught us that courage, fortitude, 
is the precondition of all virtues. For without courage, we are not able to be prudent and just, because courage is that virtue that allows us to surmount the fear that comes with following the gospel. Moral courage is what translates conviction into action. Thus, this is the reason why we need courage, especially in the pursuit of racial justice. You see, Matthew's discourse on mission reminds us that courage is derived by our ability of letting go, of letting go of our fears, letting go of trying to be in control, to let go of the need for power, prestige, and possessions, to let go of judging others in order to make our small self feel important, superior, and privileged. But for most, all that letting go of being in control, it feels more like suffering, something that none of us really enjoy, and yet all of us have been thrust into it during this great pandemic pause of the past three months. But it would seem that some form of suffering is absolutely necessary, since the ego does not surrender without a fight to its death. But this form of suffering, or darkness, teaches us how to live beyond the illusion of control and to give that control back to God, freeing us to have the courage to be present in the here and the now. John and the Cross and Gerald May and many others have written about the dark night of the soul. It's that time where everything we believe in collapses and we see all the old structures in our lives come crashing down. But God teaches the soul most profoundly through that darkness, not just light. There's no doubt that these past months have thrown all of us into a great deal of darkness. Darkness in our own personal lives with the impact of the virus, and darkness in our communities as we face the ever-present and deeply rooted sin of racial injustice. But we need to be reminded that God is in that darkness waiting for us, guiding us, being that spark of light light for us to see and then to grasp so that we can go out to the world as that light. Trials and tribulations and darkness all teach us how to trust in a very practical way that a good and loving God is always guiding us. Like a child who's learning to walk, we will fall and we will fail, all of us in some way. But like that toddler, we learn from our failings and we learn to pick ourselves up so that we can pick each other up, allowing us to move together as one, remembering that even our mistakes will be used in our favor if we allow them to be. It's the way to transformative love. Darkness, mistakes, and trials are the supreme teachers, whereas success actually doesn't teach you anything. It just feels good. So this week, I invite you to take some time to examine what space are you living in right now. Where's the darkness in your life, in our society? Where is the light, and how can we be the light? What are you afraid of, and what courage do you and I need to muster? The side benefit of the quarantine is that we've been forced to live in the present moment. So embrace that 
Stop wasting time obsessing over what's happened in the past or fretting to try to control what's going to happen in the future. We've spent so many months waiting to come back here and to receive the body of Christ. Maybe it's time we focus on being the body of Christ to all others, to be open to true discipleship, to be open to the mistakes in our life without fearing the grace-filled darkness, and to have the courage, the honesty, and the conviction to live the gospel and to be the light for all people.